Hello. <coughs> Hello, universe. It's uh, 11.20 on the 30th, Saturday, the 30th of December. And this, the year that is <clears throat> the year before next year, which comes on Monday. So not much of a wait. Unlike every other time of the year when... Uh, oh, God, man. Should I leave this? I mean, you know, like, that's terrible. It's fucking horrible. Should I put it at the end? All right. Here's the thing. It's taken me all day, plus most of yesterday, plus the entire week of... Uh, what? Mentalizing? <clears throat> I now know what caused me the disruption on Christmas. In asserting myself as the true me throughout my entire family interaction, well, I... I officially encased myself in protective foam inside some James Bond silver suitcase that is currently lost in the DIA uh, baggage claim area. I just knew if I was going to be hmm, uncompromising in certain regards about topics like um, the virus... Well, I was going to be <clears throat> diminished in regards to serious family uh, mm, esteem, opinion. Here's the thing. My family thinks I'm fucking nuts. Simple as that. They think that I am uh, generally <clears throat> buoyant. And um, seemingly uh, content, but crazy, have fallen off the reasonable wagon straight into a mud pit filled with conspiracy insanity. That I am uh, <clears throat> a mix of very... Uh, hard to uh, change opinion or tell anything to, and extremely susceptible to the dumbest of um, conspiracies that have been concocted. I think the thing they most, at this point, am, if there's a surprise left for them, it's that I am not a flat earther yet. So, on that note, I should probably get ahead of the game and tell them that I still have a globe in my living room. I haven't turned it into a pancake. All right. So, I knew... <laughs> I knew what was standing as congeniality among those... I consider my nuclear family, my mother, father, brother-in-law, and sister, was 
um, not quite fair because I have changed so much since last uh, official check-ins of any kind of uh, existential nature that I didn't um, I didn't really have much to share across the board, but with each individual person, it was like, well, yeah, I do. Uh, I do think that um, that I have contact with my past lives, but uh, there's a reason for that, you know. Um, did you think we have past lives? I mean, my family can't even get to first base when it comes to any kind of spiritual engagement one-to-one. Whether or not I can incite some of that in the group, just to think more about their potential to lead a fulfilling ride here on planet Earth. I don't even know if that's my role anymore. I really don't know what my role is with my family, and I think that's why this week has been so... um, so challenging. I felt like I've had to justify this emergence as a better self through the mechanisms that will convince them that their data-driven world had the opportunity for this to happen anyway. So I was going to get here inevitably because let's look at all the aberrations that don't hold up in our ancient historical record. Tell me why you believe the story we're told, and I'll tell you all the reasons I don't believe it. And we can have a conversation about the what the institutional capture of everything that they believed was good and was good in their childhood and young adulthood, but has now turned into a corrupt and malevolent force of doing whatever it takes to maintain its own momentum and inertia. These things didn't just happen all of a sudden. They were progressive deterioration of everything incremental that could be leveraged in the minority. If there was a small advantage to be taken, it got taken. And nobody really thought twice about it. That's just kind of the way things were going to go. If you weren't leveraging that which was there to be leveraged, what the fuck? Are you trying not to win the game? And so the game turned into a battle of who's got what and do I got mine a lot of cross comparison as to well if I can get to that then I can be like that and then if I can get some of that I can be even more like that looking all around you for the things that you thought you needed to acquire in order to find a life of fulfillment And uh, and I fell into that pit. I mean, I, I dove into that pit. I didn't fall into it. I thought, sure, 
swimming pool on the roof, swimming pool in the backyard, swimming pool just for my dog. That's living. And I didn't, I didn't see that what we were doing as we became more and more of a, hmm, of an advanced and secure nation where an individual now could essentially fulfill a life uniquely without any other attachment in a way that got all needs, wants, desires pretty much taken care of. As proof of that, the indulgence that it is to completely live for oneself because the option is now availed to you through the standards of progression and suffering that the civilizations behind me built with hardship. Well, I've always felt rather mm, spoiled. Um... Um, hmm, certainly indulgent. And it is a bit of a mind flip to think that the <clears throat> capability to maintain one's uniquely solo mission for all the lack of argumentation that comes with it. Well, the entire country that is America, I think, has taken the lead on those of us who believe and are committed to a lifestyle of, don't worry about me, just take care of your own shit. I got mine. You go deal with yours. And in this positioning, which I embraced entirely more of this past weekend, although the alternative was to continue living in some level of distortion, which I'm not saying with my parents wasn't the right move, but with my sister and brother-in-law, it's not. Anyway, Complex family dynamics aside, when you have understood your life has all of the mobility and spontaneity of opportunity that being unattached to the world at large provides, well, this is not the optimal way to get to the finish line if you're looking for the most fulfilled soul you can find. It will never be. Because fulfillment on this planet is dependent on having small and yet repeated interactions of the meaningless kind with a whole shit ton of people. And 
since we've moved away from all that, thank you, COVID, and a variety of other factors. Well, the embrace of the individual, the isolationist, the lone wolf, literally howling in the moon above all else, well, that's just bullshit. Nobody, even even you, hedge fund manager, who sits with your bank account that is 12 digits long and admires your whatever statue you've smuggled in from Egypt that you stole directly from Gilgamesh's tomb, your acquisition of the finest and most rare and exquisite items the earth has to offer means exactly how much to you now. In the end, all of the pomp and circumstance that it is to think the external world offers fulfillment in anything other than the interactivity you have an entire landscape of possibility to enjoy with other soulful creatures. From giraffes to geraniums to Jersey boys. It is the secret to maintaining a life of meaningful pursuit is to let your mundane always resonate with value. Our mundane is now about how inconvenient the person in front of me in line is, and I don't even think they're aware of it. I mean, this isn't just bad. This is like they're going to propagate this mistake across time unless I go over and fucking tell them everything they're doing right now that's asinine and pissing me off. Boy. Well, that's a lot more real than... Uh, sure, I, I can hold the door for you. Go ahead. I, I'm off the rails at this point, so I'm going to smoke some dope and come back. But I'm going to listen to this shit so I can get back on the rails because something this week in me realized that we're broken and that I'm broken in a way that I hadn't known. So that I'm still figuring out. And weed's going to help here at 11.35. Bye. Unpause. All right, well, I've been playing a little bit of a Mandela effect myself. Well, no, I've been playing more like a Terminator 2, T2 effect. I've been fucking with the timeline um, because I have these two, um, I don't know, 10-minute, 12-minute recordings that sort of drill down the Mandela effect, discombobulation, and having to explain that uh, position of experience uh, to a room of non-believers who at this point think it's ridiculous that you would still be holding on to this idea that it's not just your shitty memory. Okay. Okay. I know you think that, but I hold on to it because it's not just my shitty memory. It's my actual memories. So that is unfortunately not a burden that we will be sharing together. You'll just be mocking me for my position. But 
having been mocked, I think I'm done positioning. Um, so the Mandela effect, there's a reason that I've given up on that one. It's the most discombobulating of them all for too many uh, mystical uh, tangents to consider uh, threading together somehow. If anybody ever solves the Mandela effect, bonus. But <clears throat> something tells me it's the, um, the residual impact of larger forces swirling about. And so rather than delving into any of that, I'll leave that for anybody who wants to listen to the 20 minutes that end this thing. Um, what I wanted to, I guess, um, address were the leaps in wisdom or, I guess, mental serenity, problem-solving skills, um, ability to evaluate the variables in play, um, my attention, constancy, improving drastically, my empathy, becoming manageable and effective. Um, there were a lot of things that were <clears throat> out of sorts for me for most of my life that started... Um, composing uh, themselves in a favorable or beneficial even um, manner that I really wasn't um, consciously processing. Um, and how this has happened, I still don't know. I've described the phenomenon as if um, some part of my soul that went to go get lunch, finally got back. And we haven't been making all the greatest decisions as an impartial entity. So what took you so fucking long? There's some of that, but then there's more of it that feels um, somehow earned and... Um, and, uh, if you will, incorporated. It's been, um, it's been strange to become a better version of myself without the effort that I put in chasing a better version of myself my whole life. For it to just somewhat occur well, perhaps all the early effort, though seemingly misplaced, turns out to have been on target after all, just in the very much delayed gratification program. So, not being one who s sits well with delayed gratification, of course, shocked was I to be experiencing any sort of um, any sort of reconstitution of the personal and <laughs> and hmm, and 
universal energy that I now believe I am and represent across time. So there's that, right? And I don't have any need to share this with anybody, even my sister. I would never, ever proselytize. But I would never shy away from a conversation about this. I just don't live in a family that will ever initiate that conversation. So these things I don't necessarily have to get into, the mystical, the precognitive dream. I actually have told my sister about those, but those are the kinds of things that I think she can even say, well, okay, that's weird, but maybe that did actually happen to you. Um, the idea that um, I astral travel across dimensions into past lives or concurrent lives or any of that shit. Again, I don't have the, I don't have the feedback loop bandwidth to sustain the um, shifting of realities that are necessary to even have that conversation. But should someone ever bring it up, of course, that's what they're going to hear. So <clears throat> having shared none of this stuff specifically with any one of them, but most of this stuff at one point or another with at least one of them. Well, I do also know that they like to get behind my back and talk about me. So I think maybe the seeds have been laid enough that after this last sort of, I'm going to live this way and you all can think I'm crazy, but that's just how we're going to end this life moment. Well, uh, I guess it's better than going through the Mandela effect again. Yeah. Um, no, honestly, it is the sort of thing that, well, it forced me to uh, reevaluate my sense of knowledge, empirical knowledge in this universe. Once again, even when I look deep, even when I take three days to fucking drill down into the interior of my existence. However you say that word. Well, I'm always happy with what I return. So, oh, 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 I'm glad I, I thought of this. Um, speaking of return, tomorrow or New Year's Eve. Actually, should I do this New Year's Day? Now, it seems like a New Year's Eve uh, recording. On New Year's Eve, I will be reevaluating all the pluses and minuses of this year. So a lot of the things that I'm not talking about right now are because I'm planning on talking about them tomorrow. And so I guess at this point, listen to the Mandela shit if you want to. Uh, but I would save your energy for tomorrow because even I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I will admit that a lot of what I have come to believe to be true is based on knowledge gleaned through um, through resonance with the universe. That is some mystical New Age bullshit to anybody who's data-driven and analysis of the physical world determines what we can and cannot know about the universe. How can you know about your soul if you've never even seen, touched, felt, or been in contact with it other than to say you believe in it, therefore it exists. 
again, fair criticism. And so what I was left with on Christmas Day was the idea that I had to I had to retreat into the ivory tower and find as many supporting um, pieces of evidence and theories of physical universal explanation for the phenomena that I believe exist as I could. I can't I can't allow my whimsical state of mental traveling to supplant my analytical mind for direct and evidence-based reasoning. So, for about the last three or four days, I have spent all of it compiling my theory about where we come from, how it all went down, and what this means for us. Pause. And the other thing that frankly leaves me unmoored, adrift, somewhat, well, completely uncertain if I allow it to elevate to premier thought in my head, and that's the Mandela effect. And I understand that there are plenty of people who have experienced one or two of these in a sort of, well, that's weird. Dolly definitely had braces in that scene, because otherwise the scene doesn't make any sense. Which obviously is correct, but anybody could fuck with the movies. I just have a hard time believing that, even though I have a digital copy of that on my computer, that the CIA couldn't somehow infiltrate my system and change it for the version that is theirs. That just, as much as I hate to think of uh, surreptitious activity at that level, I just can't rule it out. But when it comes to things like there are now six people in the JFK assassination limo when there were only four in my reality, and that fact is as crystal clear to me as it can be, put a cornucopia around the Fruit of the Loom logo and you have just as big a mystery to me as how there are now six people in the limo that JFK was assassinated in. There were only four. So, this, I don't believe the CIA had the ability to flip-flop. This is what gives you an entirely new look at reality, the universe, and everything about it and your place in it. I live in a reality now that's different than the one I grew up in. I cannot undo that fact. And the reality is just different enough that it's nuisance. It's not as if there's a different president. I didn't know this Reagan guy. Who's he? Our president was Robinson. No, it's not like that. It's like a corporate logo is new. Or Chic-fil-A is now Chick-fil-A. Whatever it is, they're the kind of changes that 
seem like leaks in the hologram, data degradation inside the system that is this wonderful experience we're all undergoing. So, leaving yesterday, or yesterday, leaving on Christmas, the one thing I couldn't help feeling was that I'm all alone here. I don't even belong to the family I'm with. They have experienced none of what I'm going through, which again can lead one to think you're crazy. And maybe I am. But again, the sanity with which I approach life now compared to the discombobulated anarchy I used in my sane years certainly lead me to question what the definition of sanity versus insanity might look like for me. Pause. So, unpause. The first thing to try to quantify is what the fuck could the Mandela effect be? Right? And it's the sort of experience from the affected or impacted individual point of view that leaves you almost incapable of trying to explore the meta reasons for why it could be going down. The thing it seems most like from having experienced its point of view is you are nothing but a save file that got opened in a different but still very similar universe. And that is a hard um, tangent to, uh, to not follow because everything about this reality is degrading, in my opinion, at this point. And as more and more leaks in the simulation start to appear, as more holes in the code start to arise, well, the Mandela effect's not the only thing. We have toroidal uh, uh, wormholes opening up in the sky that have been captured on film. We have all sorts of anomalies that are impossible to account for according to what we consider modern-day science and reality. So the idea that that could all be true is the most seductive of all. Pause. Now, the, the establishment of these uh, realities leads to a couple more possibilities that you have to entertain, and that is that of a multiverse, the possibility that you have been shifted from one slight universal variation to another, or that they have collapsed in on themselves. So that leads to the idea of concurrent or, or uh, divergent timelines, which leads you to the idea that somebody could be traveling through time and fucking shit up. And all of this, of course, can be rooted down into the vision of one brain in a vat experiencing an entire simulation and so the inconsistencies that are occurring are strictly there to get my attention. And obviously there's another 10,000 <laughs> irrational and rational explanations as to how this phenomenon could truly be manifesting. But that was the first... Um, that was the first obstacle toward feeling my foundational footing was secure that I had to overcome was the idea that, but I've shifted realities 
enough that I am aware, I live in a reality that doesn't share all the same variables that my reality that I began with share. So I basically just have to ignore all that. If I allow it to even come into my current day-to-day thought process, it's overwhelming. It does not make sense. It leaves me as either the experiment subject upon which all else is being judged or as an incidental player in a holographic reality for those of you who are actually in the game. Neither of those feels like my reality from within, so I reject the premise of all of it without a second thought. So when I had to re-explain that, yes, those were things that I still think I've experienced, well, it collapses my current structure a certain amount every time because I do not have an explanation for it. I do not think there is an explanation for it. I will never have an explanation for it. And so holding it in any regard other than as the trivial consequence of something phenomenal happening around me, well, I don't know how to move forward without just letting that one go. So the Mandela effect, real as it is, I don't even want to know anymore. I'm okay with the idea that reality is a shifting landscape upon which the sands are far from settled. Pause. Unpause. And there is the other... um, Well, the, the, the other curiosity here is how much fluidity is there in impacting our past with our present or future even activities? How much of our time as we perceive it in a linear, nonstop, constant progression to tomorrow, how much of that is in fact the reality versus the helmet that we've got on that forces our motion through space and time to keep us moving in a degenerative life cycle process or whatever. Um, I have seen no evidence of time shifting uh, into the past to make changes in the past. So it's not like I entertain this theory as having some sort of uh, evidence or even anecdotal um, uh, support. But when the reality is such that the past has changed, or at least the collective, um, the collective remembrance of how past events transpired has been updated in a way that does not match your recollection, that wouldn't be so interesting if your recollection didn't also agree with an entire other displaced group who feel the same way. It's not like there are people who think there were five people in that limo. No, there were, well, let's see, seven, eight people, if you count the three that were sitting next to Jackie. It's not like that. It's, I remember four. So do I, so do I, so do I. But the reality is, it's been six and it's always been six. So where does the other group of fours, where do they come from? Hmm, I, well, I don't know, I don't know. Probably out of that cornucopia, right? Pause.
unpause. But again, this one shaking to my very core as it was at the time is the one that I have the most detachment from now. If someone could explain the Mandela effect, I'd be intrigued. But I don't know that it's a single root cause. I don't know that this isn't, if anything, simpler than just, like I said, degradation in the simulation or insufficient data in the hologram. Those feel like more likely interpretations of what's going on here than other stuff. But then that leads you into the mystical, whimsical trail of simulated reality. Me, is this all for me? I mean, all of it? Even even the Milky Way bars? I don't even like those. Unpause. All right. So, um, having detached myself from the disconnects the Mandela effect created doesn't mean I've lost track of the <clears throat> glitch in the matrix syndrome uh, that frequently gets noted across all kinds of paradigms, um, whether that be the quickening of time or the, uh, the sudden uh, appearance or disappearance of, um, of information or celebrities or all kinds of ways that people think reality was one way and it turns out it was another. Those hiccups, um, though dismissed as faulty humans being faulty, um, still intrigue me, especially the ones that involve uh, people who seem to have time slips. Because another thing that I experienced, and have experienced enough recently, that I guess I still feel like it can happen, are gaps in time where there's no way the last blankety-blank amount of time could have taken as long as it's supposed to have taken. So what feels like four minutes was in fact 17 minutes. And these are the time slips that I experience. I don't experience losing three and a half hours and coming back all <clears throat> bruised and beat up by uh, my alien abduction story. No, I experience what is clearly three to four minutes of time as 20, which is fucked up enough. Because that gap of continuity makes you think, what, did I stand still for 16 minutes and forget about it? Like, it's the worst possible gap because it's very inexplicable, but also very relatable. Like, you can very much walk back your last three, five, seven minutes of time and recognize there's no fucking way that took 20 minutes. There's no way. It can't have. So then where do those 10 to 15 minutes go? I do not know. But that's another thing that makes me feel crazy. Now, I didn't bring up missing time with my family. But I did bring up the... <clears throat> the... Um, the incorrect, in my opinion, nature of our historic timeline, especially our impression of ancient timelines and the civilizations that preceded us on this planet. And I pointed here especially to the work that Mario Buildreps has done to analyze where some of our most ancient monuments are, are as much as 15 degrees off of true north. And with so many precision monuments off 
similar uh, amounts, he had the ingenious idea to look and see if, in fact, that would indicate that maybe at one point they all pointed to a true north that has since moved. And when doing a regression analysis against the most ancient sites on the planet, well, he found out, yes, indeed, that's in fact very much what happened. And if you walk it all the way back, well, it's hard not to walk straight into the expanding Earth theory. And this is, I think, where I lost my family for the most part. Because the idea that the Earth is expanding is one bridge too far. It's flat Earth, just worse. And they didn't even get into the real um, challenging components of how an expanding Earth uh, would actually continue to populate uh, creatures, all great and small. But even though those intuitions are new, and I don't stand by that impression of scientific Earth geological evolution any more than I stand by my sense of who built Sexahuaman, it is a theory that explains a lot of what would account for the complete devastation of civilizations all at once. And that, frankly, is a model that needs to be explored because that's what the evidence shows happens. And as much as I hate to think it, the more I started looking into what helps to support ancient civilizations, well, there's all the artifacts that are out of time, the hammers built uh, in coal that trace back to... <laughs> mining excavations that have to be hundreds of thousands of years old. So there's all the anomalies that make you think, well, there sure are some curious uh, myths and legends that line up, giants, etc. But even with none of that proven, if you look at the catastrophe scale of the last 450,000 years, every roughly 100,000 years, we go through a complete uh, planet-wide reset of temperatures, climate, and uh, and numbers of animals, types of animals, locations of animals on this planet. Lots of species get lost, lots of species emerge. And this happens again and again and again. And why we're not paying attention to this scale of time on which we sit the very precipice, well, to me, it's that people know that scale of time and they know that we're doomed. That whatever this planet does in its expansion, contraction, magnetosphere, loss, sun, belch, earth, sit here and get taken advantage of. One of the theories I like the most that's in current um, fringe science is an explanation for why when we look at distant stars we see so many gas giants rotating close to the star because we don't have an example of that at all. Well, what if that's how all planets start but eventually the sun's activity volatile as it can be blasts those huge atmospheres right off those planets leaving them with these fragile little systems of delicate balance that every 100,000 years or so 
we go through a reset that's inevitable. And sooner or later, that sun's going to belch enough to blow the atmospheres right off Jupiter and Saturn. And then maybe those planets will start to accept life. Anyway, that is fascinating because it would account for a whole bunch of things in our past, like flying 30-foot pterodactyls that don't make any sense. But in an atmosphere as thick as Jupiter's, well, shit, almost a tugboat could fly. So as science gets more creative about thinking through the possibilities of what we are and where we are coming from and how it all works, well, I think people stuck in the current paradigm who just defend science as science and textbooks read 30 years ago as truth and dogma that cannot be revisited nor uh, rebuked, well, I think, I think your curiosity needs a catalyst. I think somewhere you lost your imaginative side as to the possible. You thought you had walked into a civilization filled with answers when, in fact, most of the questions that people had written down results for, they were fudging the results. So, even as we sit here in a magnificent universe filled with unknowns, the little bits that we get to know through real rigorous investigation into the possibility that it is to exist as we do on this crazy planet in this reality, well, they're worth it. We don't need a made-up story to keep us comforted when we can find truth and settle upon that which builds our knowledge of everything. Thing.